Hello, everybody. Dr. Rick here, dropping that. Hope everybody is off to a great start. Hump day. Hope that everybody is in a place. Uh, as for me, I am blessed. There's a lot going on, uh, a lot to be thankful for. Uh, so again, I encourage you, no matter where you are right now in your journey, if you're still breathing, you're still in the fight, do not give up, do not let go, do not surrender, do not retreat. Um, with that being said, this is normally what we would be doing uh, Wealth Building Wednesday, but I've been getting a number of inquiries. I want to do want to uh, take this time to actually clarify something uh, because I want people to be able to truly take advantage of the opportunities and resources that are offered in the areas of need. Okay, so uh, I've been getting a lot of inquiries about you know I show the the business side of what I do. Uh, life strategist, life coach, uh, business consulting, and all the other stuff, the programs, the packages, and everybody, you know, knows that. But I've been getting some inquiries as to do I offer traditional therapy? Uh, do I, you know, work with people who are struggling in different areas, emotionally, psychologically, and things of that nature? It's the core of who I am and what I do. Um, a lot of that stuff comes to me, um, organically i don't do a lot of promoting about it but let me tell you something uh in the area of trauma tra traumatic healing uh dealing with adverse childhood experiences for our youth which is an immense important uh area of what i do especially in the black community but i do it overall but uh here's the thing the overall reality and experience of the black community cannot be understood without first understood understanding multi-generational uh, trauma or intergenerational trauma it is immensely important to understand the dynamic and the mediums through which we are passing down trauma without real realizing it uh, without understanding it and that the vast majority of our people are at some level operating out of their trauma. And so, yes, I do. I work with couples. I work with both male and female, and I definitely work with children. I do not use a Eurocentric uh, paradigm or infrastructure in the development of what I do in my work. I uh, am highly Afrocentric when working with Blacks uh to focus on the experience because without an understanding of the experience without an understanding of the thing that the underpinning the foundation of it uh it's more than just your thoughts it's more than your neurobiology it's more than just genetic makeup it's a combination of the experience without an understanding of the experience uh you can sit up and spin your wheels for days and in weeks and months and years and not get anywhere it is understanding that we have a unique experience and inside of that experience is an explanation of many of the things we feel many of the things we don't understand many of the frustrations we carry many of the inherent fears uh, some of the anger all of it can be traced back now none of it is an excuse to fail none of it is an excuse to not live at the level of your design, but it is an explanation of the current state and what must be done. And yes, I do. I have done extensive research in the realm of epigenetics. Epigenetics was discovered by me, not 
epigenetics, but I discovered epigenetics through uh, my research into multi-generational trauma back in the 90s uh, at a time when there was this constant narrative. It's been 100 and at that time, 120 something years or whatever uh, since uh, the emancipation of slaves. It's time to get over. It's time to stop whining about this. And, you know, anytime you would mention multi-generational trauma, it would be dismissed because the work wasn't being presented. Now, we understood it. We had the great minds of Dr. Naeem Agbar, Dr. Uh, Francis Cress Wilson, Dr. Amos Wilson. We had it, but it had not been brought forth uh, on, a, on a modern platform with modern explanation. And I explored it. And in, in the exploration of it, there was this thing called epigenetics, the influence of genes from environment and experience. And it works on the front end and the back end of trauma. Uh, on, on the front end of it, uh, it is passed down genetically. 23 chromosomes from mom, 23 chromosomes from dad come together to create the 46 chromosomes that create the new thing that fertilize, uh, that comes out of the ovum, becomes the fetus, becomes the baby, and it brings with it genetic experiences from mom and dad. The more emphatic the experiences and more negative emphatic experiences are being experienced, especially as we move back in time by blacks and that's being passed down. And this isn't a universal phenomenon that only deals with blacks. It is common. The Where it was really truly opened up was actually in studying some of the experiences of the survivors of the Jewish Holocaust and the fact that they had grandkids that weren't alive during the time of the Holocaust, had not been told about specific events, but were having dreams about them. We have to understand that the body keeps the score, that the body literally records in every cell, every experience. Trauma is first experienced biologically by the body before it is processed and stored by the mind. And you must understand that. But when I look at things, I look at it from the historical context. I look at it from the processing. I look at it from the current things. See, we we often are accepting of a narrative that is so out of line. And it, it's one of the reasons I think we're frustrated because we keep hearing it's been a hundred, now 158 years. It's been a hundred, it's been a hundred and, and it's been a, and, and the, the idea that you should be over it by now. Well, let me first of all say something. Time does not heal wounds. Work and proper uh, engagement of proper uh, data, proper environment. I can't stress enough proper environment because here's what happened. We act like after emancipation, Blacks had this great utopia that we were, we were released into. There's this idea that we were released into this great utopia. And that in that we were we should have been able to flourish, but we were released into reconstruction, which was one of the most dangerous times to be a black person in the South. We were released in the black codes, we were released in the convict lease, and then we were pushed down the annals of time into Jim Crow segregation, redlining, benign neglect, urban renewal, um, mass incarceration, gentrification, and other forms of serial force displacement, microaggressions that are found in, in the workplace and so many other different spots that we uh, have never had this moment where we were in an environment that would be conducive to healing. We have never been in an environment where we could feel like, hey, we can relax. 
Uh, it doesn't mean that we haven't done some exceptional and extraordinary things that we haven't proven ourselves to be quite resilient and phenomenal, but we still have to talk about this thing called trauma because it exists. It influences us. It, insisting that it doesn't, refusing to acknowledge it does not change, that biologically we are being impacted and that biology is impacting our psychology and it's influencing our behavior and in many ways holding us back. Right. A absolutely, Kimberly. Absolutely. And so what, uh, Kimberly, I'm going to actually read what she says. She says, DNA memory surpasses all understanding of what we think we know about how passing along what some call generational curses. Exactly. What, what many call generational curses is simply the biology, the genetic uh, pass down. And see, the thing is, I gave you the front end. So genetically, we pass down these things called epigenetic tags. These epigenetic tags actually influence gene expression, gene interpretation. And what the initial uh, premise was is that while it influences genes and, and, and influences the DNA processing, it does not change DNA sequence, meaning that the DNA sequence is the same. Here's the problem, though. It influences how genes, what, first of all, transcribe your DNA. Your DNA says everything about you, your, your disposition for temperament, your eye color, your hair color, your height, um, all of these different things that you're going to be as a biological human being. Your DNA is there. But here's the thing. Your, your genes have to be able to transcribe that, then translate that, and then execute that. The environment in which you're in and a traumatic experience is a frozen moment in time of an environment that was non-conducive to growth and empowerment. And what happens with when, be, being in a traumatic event does not necessarily mean traumatized. Traumatized means that that traumatic event imprinted and that it is not properly categorized in your linear timeline. So what happens in life every day? You have experiences, good, bad, and, and neutral. And in these experiences, as you have them, they are immediately categorized and put in the process of being something that's already happened, which means what? It's in the past. So when you sit up and you look at that and you say, okay, that's in the past. Now, while it may still trigger certain emotional experiences, it's something in the past which takes away what? The threat. It's not happening now. It's not going to happen in the future. It happened in the past. I may not like it. It may not have felt good, but it's over. So there's no threat. So it doesn't trigger what? The uh, fight or flight response, the stress response tr triggered by the limbic system or the reptilian brain or the oldest processor of our survival system. But what happens is with, when you become traumatized, it literally catalogs it, but it does not put it in the linear timeline. So it's a constant present and it's triggered by any of a number of different things, smell, sound, a certain word, a, a bunch of different things can trigger a person. And when they're triggered, they're not remembering, they're reliving. And it's a difference. And in the reliving of that response, they cannot have a rational, reasonable response to a trauma that they have not controlled. And there are a bunch of other elements that determine the level of traumatization of any one particular event, including how much how empowered a person felt at the time that it was happening to do something about it. Uh, the less power or, or influence you have on coming out of a traumatic experience, whatever it is, 
the more likely you are to be traumatized by it. Those who are actively engaged in surviving trauma, like doing something to get out of harm's way, fighting back or whatever, are, are usually less traumatized or not traumatized uh, to, to any real true degree. So again, there's so much to be understood about, it, but that's the front end of it. That's these genetic tags, these epigenetic tags are imprinted and they are passed down to the uh, to our children. And in those come the memories. That's why the children, the grandchildren of the Jew Jew Jewish Holocaust were having dreams is because it was genetically passed on to them. But that's the front end of it. That's genetically passing it down. Then there's the back end of it. There is the environmental experience. Well, anything that comes down that has uh, traumatic tags also has the predisposition to be traumatized, meaning that you are not at your height. So imagine this being the level, this being the level uh, where um, if you reach this line, underneath this line is trauma. You've been traumatized. Imagine being healthy is here. Well, you go through your day, you go through your morning, you go through your life, you go through your month, your year, and you have a lost loved one and nothing else happens. And over time you process it, you get past it and you develop more health. You learn how to cope with it. You grow and you get back to here. And then something else happened and you come down. Well, what happens is that everybody's having a different experience. Some people are lost this, they had a car accident, they had this. And so some people are operating here. It doesn't take much for them to be traumatized because they are right at the threshold of trauma. And so the goal is to constantly work on being healthy. The problem is you have to have an environment that is conducive to healing and health. Being in a stressful environment where you're constantly having to argue, having to fight, being in a stressful environment where you're fearful for your life, growing up in the inner city where there's drug use, growing up in the inner city where there are more single parent homes, growing up in the inner city where more people are being incarcerated. All these things are called ACEs are adverse childhood experiences for children who are minors, and they have long-term uh, implications, not just in their psychological health, but in the physical outcomes. Uh, a child with four ACEs, so every, every negative experience that's considered an adverse childhood experience, parents divorcing, uh, physical abuse, uh, verbal abuse, emotional abuse, uh, parent uh, being addicted to a, a drug, uh, parent being incarcerated, somebody in the family being diagnosed with a mental illness and several others. Every last one of those is one ACE. And so when you get four ACEs, a child is 12 times more likely doing, over the course of their life to attempt suicide, four times more likely to develop ischemic heart disease, the number one killer in America, 4.5 times more likely to develop certain forms of cancer. That's right. Many of the cancers, matter of fact, most of the cancers are more influenced by environment and stress than they are by carcinogens and diet. And so these are the things we're looking at. Uh, autoimmune diseases like lupus, more likely. Um, type 2 diabetes, more likely from childhood experiences. So it's not simply going to be a psychological issue. It's going to be also a physiological health issue, also a behavioral issue. They're going to be things that they're, they're going to be more likely to be promiscuous, more likely to take risk, more likely to be involved in behavior that is not healthy. All of these things, uh, all of these things are extremely important. So what we have to look is in I became so in ingrained in this whole epigenetics thing that I started to discover the thing. And one of the things was cancer. So I started to write about it. 
And I wrote about it so extensively that I was actually contacted by the International Council on Epigenetics and Cancer and invited to actually be a keynote speaker. And it's, it's totally blown my mind that we are in these places where we don't even realize that we are constantly making ourselves sick. There is a, a whole lot of truth to the term worried sick, worried to death. And chronic stress releases uh, stress hormones like adrenaline and cortisol into the body from the adrenal gland, which sits right over the kidney. And in small bursts, it's great for surviving, getting out of the way of a car or getting out of harm's way in, a, in an instance of a shooting or a fight or running from a, a predator who's trying to subdue you or fighting off a predator who's trying to subdue you. We're talking seconds, a minute or so tops. But when you are little, the uh, the the, the uh, analogy that, that 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 is used a lot, and I use it as well, is when you're in the forest and you see the bear, and you're going, I can't outrun a bear, but I can't stay here. Fight or flight kicks in. Now all of a sudden, your prefrontal cortex shuts down. Your prefrontal cortex is where all your reason, your executive function, your reason, your rationale, your impulse control, and everything else. You are in survival mode. The 30% of oxygen and blood flow that normally goes to the prefrontal cortex to support these thought processes you have to manage all during your day shuts down. And that, that blood is now redirected to what your extremities, what's happening. I'm about to fight or run. Now, guess what happens? You get ready to sit up and you get ready to bounce. And you run. And you get away and you realize the bear is not chasing you anymore. You're safe. All of a sudden, what? The heart rate goes down. You stop sweating. You calm down over time. The cortisol levels drop. And what happens? You go back to normal. Great. Natural, normal response. What happens when you take the bear home with you every day? What happens when... Everything that's stressing you out and creating this level of stress in you, everything that's creating this level of anxiety and worry in you, everything that's creating this level of fear about how you're going to eat, how you're going to survive, how you're going to pay the bills, how you're going to take care of the kids, how you're going to make your marriage work, how, how are you going to do this at the job, why those people at the job getting on your last nerve, all these different things. There's no space for you to go to allow that release and to allow those cortisol levels to drop. So what happens? Cortisol in your body over 40 minutes starts to have a negative impact. Imagine people living with chronic stress where it's there constantly. They wake up stressed. They walk through their day stressed. They go to bed stressed. They dream stressed. It's attacking your organs, your immune system. It's down-regulating your immune system. This is how cancer comes in. Okay, so you have, everybody has genes that will trigger cancer, cancer gene, call them cancer genes, but you also have immune genes. Your immune genes will read your DNA. Well, what happens is as stress comes, the D, the immune system is downregulated and in sickness and illness, those genes that are, are basically negative genes that are normally suppressed by your immune system are now upregulated, turned on. And when enough of those are turned on, you get cancer, you get lupus, you get type two diabetes, even if you're not overweight. And you're wondering why all of this is coming from and You're wondering why certain things like hypertension is more prevalent in the black community and everybody talks about pork and everything. Yes, a part of it is diet, more of it is stress. And it's not just that, it's stress 
in the day, it's literally being passed down. The proclivity for hypertension is a genetic predisposition associated with uh, persistent trauma. And all of these things are happening. So when I work with people, I work with them with an understanding of this stuff that's happening. Uh, and so what you have to understand, and to answer your question, uh, Kimberly, Kimberly asked a, a good point. Can cortisol levels be reversed? Cortisol levels aren't permanent. They are constantly being, they have to constantly be produced. So the way that you lower your cortisol levels is by calming your mind, calming your, learning how to get into the moment and determine within yourself that the life that I'm living is within my control. And it doesn't, and it's not that there aren't external circumstances, not that there aren't situations, but it's if I learn how to manage my thinking, if I allow the positive things to come to the surface, whatever I focus on, I feel. If I learn how to bring forth the positive, even though if, if in my initial assessment, I believe that the vast majority of things going on in my life is negative, but I can find two positives and all I do is focus on the positive. Guess what? The things that are negative become smaller. Why? Because what I focus on gains prominence. What I focus on is what I will begin to feel. What I focus on would establish my emotions. My emotions are the, uh, the spectrum of my state. And that's going to trigger what? Chemical reactions in the brain and the body. So when I can and this is how you find people who have this eternal state of happiness. My happiness is not dependent upon situations. My happiness, uh, some people refer to it as joy. My happiness isn't dependent upon circumstances. It's not dependent upon what I can buy. It's not dependent upon what I drive. It's not dependent upon anything but the fact that I'm grateful. The fact that I'm grateful for the capacity to do something that helps other people, the fact that I can wake up every day and work toward a better life for myself and my family. It doesn't matter where I am now because I'm not going to be here tomorrow. So I'm never going to give a great deal of impulse to what's going on. And when I do catch myself slipping, I have to pull myself out. Why? Because it's how we get caught in survival mode. Everything is about now. Oh my God, it's gone bad. And to the point that it becomes so big that we make something small bigger than God. However you see God, I'm not here to tell you that. I'm not here for that. But what I am here to tell you is the one supreme uh, being, the one power and uh, total source of all I desire and need is bigger than anything I'm going to ever encounter. And I'm learning that when I operate with that in mind and understand that I have access to every answer, every struggle, every difficult moment that I'm, I'm, I'm going to engage, that at the right moment and the right time, the answer will be presented and I will come out of it, that I have never been failed. That's why I'm still standing. There, it, it, it's, it, it changes how you interpret challenge. It changes how you interpret struggle. When you when you realize that it's not big enough to break you, it stops shaking you. When you realize there's something inside of you, but the problem is we've been programmed for centuries to feel helpless. It's literally in our DNA. It's beyond the typical term of, of 
learned helplessness where you try something enough times and it doesn't work and you just say, okay, it's not gonna work and you give up. It's beyond that. It's literally programmed in us. It's like, why am I gonna even try? We are programmed to be docile, to struggle, docile, to challenge, docile, to hardship. So we succumb to it and we take on this idea that what? Suffering is my lot in life. Poverty is my lot in life. Being overwhelmed and suppressed is my lot in life. Feeling like a um, second-class citizen is my lot in life. It's simply the hand I was dealt. But the thing is, and one of the things that I teach my clients is you don't have a lot in life. The hand you're dealt can be reshuffled by the way you think and the, by the way you encounter things. So when I work with people, it's about establishing a new mindset. And how do I do that? I go all the way back to reconstructing self-image. Why? Because the self-image is marred. Why? You were born into an environment where your parents had already gone through difficult times and they locked you into their limitations. They locked you into their limiting beliefs. They locked you into their fears. They locked you into their unwillingness to go out into a world that was unfamiliar, not realizing the unfamiliar world is the canvas where you paint your new reality your new future, your new opportunities. We have been trained to consult our past for permission to change our future. And so when I'm working with clients, it's not simply about processing or cognitive therapy or behavioral therapy. I use all of those, but I use embodied cognition. I use transformational vocabulary. Uh, I use, use neuro-linguistic program, neurobiological uh influences. It's a combination of understanding all these things that are happening inside of you and understanding that on a cellular level, your cell, every cell has a brain and a memory and it's cataloging your experiences. And that's why you can sit up and without even realizing it, go from being in a good mood to being in a somber or sad mood and not realize how you got there. The way the breeze blows on your ear or your face, the sound of a certain song, all of these things have meaning at some point in your life. And if you aren't aware of how it's impacting you, you will be triggered through a subconscious response or a biological response, a neurobiological response, and won't have a clue of how you got that. And everybody will be talking about how thrown off you are and nobody wants, and you'll start to buy that narrative too. I'm just different. I'm just thrown off. I'm crazy. And you'll start to speak it. Guard your self-talk. It's the program that you're going to run in this unbelievably powerful supercomputer we call our brain. What am I trying to get you to understand is, Kimberly, uh, again, uh, I, my, 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 my goal here, sweetie, was not to stress you out, but it's, it's, there's a level of awareness we need if we're going to take control of a situation. Uh, you, you, you get stressed because you don't see your power. You get stressed because you accept the reality. The thing is, nothing that I dislike about my life is etched in stone to the point that I can't change it. I can't change other people and what they do, but I can change my state. I can change my situation. I can change the way I process it. There is a reason that is through the through, through time, psychology has told us that perception is reality because it doesn't matter what the facts say. It matters what I perceive because I perceive what will shift my emotions, will shift, shift my responses and shift my behavior. There are people dead based off of something that wasn't true, but what they believe to be true. 
And so what you have to understand is people make decisions off of their perceptions. So that, that's why uh, one of my colleagues asked me a long time ago, he says, why is it um, that with all the information we have before us, that it seems that our people are stuck and, and nothing we present to them seems to work. And my response was, facts mean absolutely nothing to the conditioned mind. And if you're going to change a reality, if you're going to change a reality, well, good thing to know, uh, Kim, if you're going to change a reality, you have to reprogram your mind. My goal is to systematically and effortlessly transform the mind. And when I say effortlessly, I don't mean without effort. I mean more in the sense of I'm not forcing it upon them. I'm doing it in a way that their subconscious is receiving it without them ever knowing I'm doing it. It's the conversation I have with them. It's the words I use. It's the exchange. I'm planting seeds and I'm planting it in a frequency and a uh, state in which the subconscious mind receives it, holds it, processes it, and does not resist it. I'm just planning. I'm planning. And over time, the mind starts to say, this is who I am now. The mind starts to say, and the healing comes again back to this thing that we've got to we've got to create an environment. We've got to learn how to purge our environments first and foremost. We've got to learn how to create a space for ourselves. And if you live alone, it should be easy. There should be no one in your home that comes in with negative energy that does not have a true love and desire to support you in your growth and your advancement. That's number one. However, if you're living in the home and want somebody in the home is causing stress, you need to find another space that you can create where you can sit up and release negative energy, develop a mindset. And then at some point you become transcendent where you're literally able to transmutate negative energy into positive energy and use that positive energy to create the things you want in life because everything is moving according to energy. That's what your spirit is. It's energy. It is a ref reflection and representation of God in you. And it's your power source. But when it's negatively contaminated, when it is constantly being bombarded and you are constantly finding yourself in, in negative states like jealousy, envy, strife, bitterness, anger, rage, fear, anxiety, stress, worry. All of these things have a low frequency, low vibrational energy, normally 250 uh, hertz on a hertz scale. It can be measured. Literally, how you're thinking, your emotional state and your thoughts are producing a level of energy. Your goal is to get as high in your frequency as possible. Why? Because it's healthy, first of all completely different neurobiological response to being at 500 hertz which is where we normally try to be and that's gratitude start every day with gratitude and you're at 500 hertz you're going to find that in that environment of being in 500 hertz you're going to feel better you're going to think better more ideas and thoughts are going to come to you the more stressed out you become the more in fight or flight you go, what happens in fight or flight? When you're angry, when you're all in the negative stuff, number one is the prefrontal cortex become narrow, becomes narrow. And it what, at the very minimum, focuses on what, what's wrong. 
in more extreme circumstances stops responding completely and you're on autopilot survival mode you might fight somebody hit somebody and deal with them in so many different ways in a negative response that gets a negative outcome because you haven't learned how to manage and control situations and circumstances you are allowing them to control you so again to the people who have been asking me do i do one-on-one -on -one counsel counseling and therapy uh especially for our people absolutely um uh, I, I i think i put a link i did i put a link in the uh description box of where you're watching this so you can see uh how i operate some of the things that i do um and see the basic uh uh basic uh pricing that i offer uh but the goal is to heal and healing can only be accomplished accomplished in the right environment. Your body is designed to heal itself, but it will not heal itself in stress. In a constant state of anger, a constant state of fear, anxiety and worry, the body can't heal itself. It will turn on itself. It will start to attack itself. Many of the ills we are experiencing in our physiological health comes from a lack of being able to properly manage our emotions and our mental state. And it's uh, the psychosomatic influence is having a negative impact. And then here's the thing, when the body's out of line, it starts to impact the mind. So what do you do? You have to find a way to set the environment. You have to find a way to take control. And that's what I help people do. But when, uh, like, you know, in my, in, in my book, Born in Captivity, Psychopathology is a Legacy of Slavery, that was my 19th installment. And I go into depth into discussing the onslaught of experiences we have gone through and how they have been passed down generationally and how we are responsible for being the ones who put an end to it by creating new environments for ourselves and our children and their children and down the line it's it, it's a responsibility that we definitely need to uh undertake so again i am challenging each and every one of you assess be honest with yourself if we're honest i, I mean the vast majority of us are dealing with some form of trauma just being in this environment can 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 create create that but we have to learn how to take control of it because you can but you have to believe you can and you cannot give more power to your situation or your circumstance than you give to your particular power uh as it associates to the most high and how you can take control of the, the sovereignty of your life and thereby take control of your thinking take control of your state of mind take take control of your environment and then by that take control of your life uh, with that being said, look, I'm going to get ready to get off of here. I really appreciate you guys dropping in. Um, you know, uh, Wealth Building Wednesday will be back next week if I don't decide to do it later. But I just really wanted to answer because that was this influx all of a sudden of people wondering, do I do that? Because everybody hears me talking about life strategy, life coaching and all of this. And yes, I do that for people who are talking about taking their lives to the next level. I do that. But there has to be a healing and a preparation to be in the right frame of mind to be able to do that. So, again, I am 
challenging everybody to really search yourselves and ask yourselves, are you in the right place to be your best self, your best version? Are you unwittingly passing down uh, your trauma to your children? And I'm not talking solely uh, from a genetic perspective. I'm talking about environmentally. And if so, what can be done to stop it and then move from there? If you are truly ready to make a move, again, check out the link and see if some of the ways that I offer to work with me work for you. If they do, sign up and save a block because everything is done. My one-on-ones are done in blocks. Normally, my packages range from six weeks, 12 weeks, 26 weeks, 52 weeks. And when you purchase a package, it's blocked out, meaning that that space on the calendar, even though it doesn't have a time and date, is blocked out. So there are only so many blocks available. But anyway, with that being said, look, as I always say, I live my life on full so that when I leave this place, I die on E. I challenge you to do the same thing. I challenge you to live your life on full. Uh, and it's a process. It's a growth process. Uh, nobody's more gifted or prepared, uh, more gifted or set than anyone else. It's about what you do with what you've been given. It is uniquely gifted, but everybody is equally, equally uh, endowed, so to speak. So I live mine on full. I challenge you to live yours on full. Uh, on that note, I'm out of here. You guys have an unbelievable remainder of your day.